Old Testament book of Daniel. Daniel chapter 1 is where we're going to be. Daniel chapter 1 is where we have been. We're now in week 3 of this new series that we're calling Rise Above. And the big idea of this series is the reality that in life there are things that come against us that want to hold us down. But we have a God when we trust Him who can allow us to rise above. And really the life that we're studying to help us learn this truth is the life of the Old Testament prophet of, of Daniel. And to kind of bring us all up to speed, we met Daniel a couple weeks ago. 15 years of age, his homeland Israel was conquered and uh, he was taken captive back to Babylon. He and some friends with him were then chosen to go into a three-year really indoctrination process where they would come out the other end like those people in Babylon. They were called Chaldeans. They were to come out really as scientists, if you would, who could serve the kingdom and and the rest of Daniel's story is that for the next seventy years he he's faithful to God he serves three or four different kings he leads two of them to faith and in God and and uh, he was promoted time and time and time again and at the end of his life he ends up as the number two most powerful man in the number one most powerful country it was an amazing amazing life that he lived and really if we just would have looked at the circumstances where we met Daniel we would have concluded this guy doesn't have much of a future at all he's already been through so much everything's against him he he probably will not have a great life at all the opportunities are gone he's a captive he's away from his family away from all that's familiar he's virtually got no shot at all at a meaningful life but Daniel learned something he learned how to rise above. He knew that when those things came upon him, that, that because of God, he could rise above. He refused to be a victim of circumstance. He, he was a man that understood that although he couldn't change his circumstances, his circumstances did not have to change him. And in our first study, we learned that Daniel was a man who lived prepared. He expected the unexpected. He didn't live paranoid, but he lived prepared. We found that he was a man who could make great decisions even in times of pressure. In the adversity of life, he made good decisions. And, and he was a man that knew that God could use everything that we go through in life to, to shape our lives. Last week, uh, as we really were just getting studied, uh, started rather after that introduction in the first week, we learned that there were three factors that Daniel built his life on. And uh, if, you, if you were here, I'll remind you of them. If you weren't, I'll tell you what they are and encourage you to go to our church website because I think really what we covered last week is going to be so important. You can watch the message there, but their three words were uh, identity. He knew who he was. He was living in a foreign land and uh, he was living in a place that was dedicated to making him look like them, but because of a sense of identity, he was able to stand for God. Individuality. It was never Daniel's goal to stand alone, but he was willing if needs be to take a stand that went against the grain of culture. And then the final word was integrity. Daniel made a decision to just do right. You know, as I was thinking of this, all, all I can say is that Daniel's parents must have done some kind of a great job for those first 15 years. Because here's a guy that really, again, everything's against him, and, and he's thriving for God. And, and yet we know that Daniel wasn't superhuman. He, he's just like the rest of us, in, in a sense. And, and so what he did, we all we all can do and and this week we're moving into uh, week three and we're going to find Daniel dealing with a problem that we've all faced in our lives um, some of you are facing this problem that we're going to talk about today right now in fact I, I smiled just at the thought of this some of you while driving to church today thought about the very problem that we're going to talk about this morning in church and uh, as we get into this study we're going to find that Daniel is dealing with a boss who's leading him in the wrong direction. 
Now, how many of you have ever had a boss that you felt was leading you in the wrong direction? And I think we've all had those problems. That if, you've, if you work at Coastline, you probably shouldn't vote there, okay? I've been seeing a few hands go up. Uh, we could probably remedy that situation. But at any rate, I, I digress. Um, uh, the, the, the fact is, we all deal with matters of faith at work. I was with a group of men from our church not too long ago, and, and uh, universally, they, they talked, and they said, you know, Pastor, really, we spend a big part of our lives at work. It seems like that's the part of our lives that's talked about the least at church. And, and uh, so today we're going to have a message from God's Word that will help us know how we can live for God even on the job. Uh, next week, we're going to talk about going to school in Babylon. And uh, it's, it's going to be a great message for people in being trained right now and also for parents. The next week, we're going to talk about parenting. Then the next week, back at the workplace again. And I'm telling you, the study of Daniel uh, is going to be a great help to us. But today we're going to be in Daniel chapter 1. If you're able to join me in standing as we read the word together. Daniel chapter 1. We finished up in verse 8 last week. We're going to pick up there in that same verse this week. Daniel chapter 1 and verse 8. If you're glad to be in church, say amen. All right, let's get to work together. Daniel chapter 1 and verse 8. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's meat nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Now God had brought Daniel into favor and tender love with the prince of the eunuchs. And the prince of the eunuchs said unto Daniel, I fear my lord the king who hath appointed your meat and your drink. For why should he see your faces worse liking than the children which are of your sort? Then shall ye make me endanger my head to the king. Now I'm going to read on, but uh, Daniel's asking essentially, hey, I don't want to eat the diet that, that you're asking me to eat. And, and uh, this one who's leading all these men that Daniel's a part of, he says, you're going to make me to endanger my head with the king. That's a nice way of saying he's going to cut my head off if, if I do what you're asking me to do. All right. Verse 11. Then said Daniel to Melzar, whom the prince of the eunuchs uh, had set over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, prove thy servants, I beseech thee, Ten days and let them give us pulse to eat and water to drink. Pulse just speaks of vegetables. Verse 13. Then let our countenances be looked upon before thee and the countenance of the children that eat of the portion of the king's meat. And as thou seest, deal with thy servants. So he consented to them in this matter and proved them. 10 days. So he gave him a test, a 10-day test, verse 15. And at the end of 10 days, their countenances appeared fairer and fatter in flesh than all the children which did eat the portion of the king's meat. Thus, Melzar took away the portion of their meat and the wine that they should drink and gave them pulse. I want you to go back to verse 9, if you would. And, and just about in the middle of that verse is a couple words I want us to think of today. Uh, the Bible here, speaking of Daniel, just, just says, into favor into favor and uh, i want us to allow that to serve as a central uh, thought around which we'll uh, study god's word today let's pray together our father thank you for your word the truth of it we thank you for daniel's life and his great testimony of faith and faithfulness uh, help us god as we study your word now again uh, as we're seeing not just to study as historians who want to learn facts but as people that want to live for you in this day and i pray that Daniel's life would really help us in that regard. And we ask this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. It's really a remarkable series of events. The captives are brought in and placed in the care of a man by the name of Melzar. And, 
And Melzar received his orders directly from the, the throne room of the king. There was no question as to what he was to be doing. And, and they told him what to do. In fact, they told him how to do what he was to do. And, and he was told basically from the king, listen, you have three years to take these captives that we brought from another land. And when they come out the other end of the factory of your schooling process, we want them to look like us. We want them to talk like us. We even want them to smell like us. You've got three years to convert these young teenage boys into people that Babylonians would look at and say, my, my, they look just like us in every way. That was the command. The process was laid out very clearly. We know, as we've seen thus far, they received new addresses and they got new names and they got new jobs. They even were assigned new diets. And, and of all of the areas that Daniel could have objected, it's interesting that Daniel chose the area of a diet to object there. And, and we ended last week on verse 8 and we picked up this week on, on verse 8. And I want to talk about that again for, for just a moment. You see... There are things in our culture that are changing all of the time. There are things in our culture that are different today than they were yesterday. Just about the time we get used to something in one moment, it's going to change in the next. And there are a lot of things that change in our culture that whether we like them or not, it's more a matter of preference than a matter of right and wrong. The fact is that there are going to be things that happen that we may not like that does not make them sinful. But there are things in our culture that change that clearly it is a matter of right and wrong. And Daniel was the kind of guy who was pragmatic in a spiritual sense. He might say, you know, I preferred my name Daniel over Belshazzar, but that's the name I've been given. I've been given a new address. I preferred my old one, but that's the address I've been given. I've got a new style of clothes I'm wearing. I didn't mind the old ones, but I guess this is what I'm going to wear today. And he went through this whole thing. But when they said, Daniel, we've got a new diet for you, Daniel said, I'm sorry, I can't go along with that. For Daniel, that was a matter of right and wrong. You see, there was a diet that had been prescribed to the people of God. And, and this diet they were being given, it, it went against the truth of God's word. And Daniel was the kind of a man that, that said, you know something, I'll go along in so far as I can. But there are just some areas I cannot possibly cave on. And that was one of those areas. When it comes to truth and what is right, you see, we've all been called to stand firm. The Apostle Paul said it this way in 2 Thessalonians 2. Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which ye have been taught, whether by word or by uh, our epistle. Daniel had received this tradition from God the Father, these dietary laws. We have called them kosher laws. And, and Daniel had no intention of violating the commands of God. In verse 8, he says it this way. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat nor with the wine which he drank and Daniel said again I want you to hear this he said I can only go along with so much I've got to draw the line on right and wrong and friends if you're here today and you're a Christian I want you to know something we're living in a day and an age and a time and a space that is all the time pushing us and many times Christians get pushed over that line into the arena of sin and we appease ourselves we salve our conscience by saying well everybody's doing it we're living in Babylon after all, and you know, when in Babylon, do as the Babylon people do, and, and, and we get pushed into an arena that's not pleasing to God. We need to be careful of that. There, there are times where maybe the change is in a matter of right and wrong, but, but Daniel was the kind of a young man that said, I'm not going to defile myself. I'm not going to ceremonially or morally corrupt myself by entering into behavior that is anti the word of God. Daniel was a man 
of principle. Now, I wonder, how do you handle conflicts like that? What do you do when, when you're supposed to do what you've been told, but the one giving the orders is giving you a direction that is opposite to what you believe to be right? Sometimes that even happens in a professional environment. And really, when we break down what's going on here, Daniel's living in a new country. He's been enrolled in Babylon University, and he's a part of this professional situation. And we find that he's got a leader who's telling Daniel to do something that his conscience says, I can't do that. Well, Daniel handles it amazingly well. And we're going to unpack this story. And, and we're going to see that he was so wise, and this person was supervising him in, in, in verse 8. The Bible said it this way, Daniel therefore requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. I love the fact that Daniel here, he didn't throw a fit. He didn't protest. He didn't grab his torch and his pitchfork and t- take to the streets. You know, uh, he, he, he didn't, he didn't want to get into debate. He, he simply went to the person directly in charge of him and, and had a discussion about it. Now, it's been said, and I believe it's true, immature people have a way of taking little problems and just blowing them up and making them huge. That's what immature people do. Mature people have ways of taking problems and breaking them down into a manageable size so that the problems can, can be dealt with. And, and Daniel here's a young man. He's a teenager, but he exercised incredible maturity. Rather than blowing this uh, situation up, he said, you know, I think we can break this thing down and make it into a manageable size. And, and, and the leadership in, in that place, they, they had a concern. What was their concern? Well, their concern was that if Daniel didn't look good and if he wasn't learning at a certain rate, that it would look bad on them. They would have, they would have died. As Melzar said, man, you're going you're gonna to endanger my head to the king. I, I'm going to die here. But Daniel here did not disregard their concerns. He looked at the situation and he thought, there's got to be a win-win here somewhere. Let's do our very best to find the win-win in this situation. And in verse 12, Daniel said this. He said, prove thy servants, I beseech thee, ten days, and let them give us pulse to eat and water to drink. Here's what he was saying. He said, listen, if we don't look good in your eyes after ten days of a test, he said, man, uh, we'll, we'll talk again. We'll talk again. But what happened was this. Ten days went by. Daniel and his friends looked great, problem averted, situation uh, that could have held him down was successfully conquered. What did Daniel do in this situation at work? He rose above. He rose above. Now, what can we learn about taking a stand for God at work by studying the life of Daniel? If your notes are out this morning, I want you to consider these just simple, very simple steps. Nothing we're going to say today is going to be incredibly uh, enlightening, but I think it's going to be powerful if we put it to work. Here's the first element we learned from Daniel. Uh, When there's a conflict at work like this, number one, work hard and keep a good attitude. Work hard and keep a good attitude. Now, again, this may seem so basic, so simplistic, but the fact of the matter is many people today uh, simply don't work hard and they don't have a good attitude. And I believe if you stand up at work as someone that has a work ethic and a good attitude, you'll stand out at work as someone who's worthy of being listened to when there is a conflict, someone who's worthy of being promoted when the time comes. This whole situation begins to unfold. We read near the beginning in verse 9 these words. Now Daniel had, or excuse me, now God had brought Daniel into favor and tender love with the prince of the eunuchs. Now, in other words, the leader had already uh, taken a look at Daniel and, and he was in his heart already thinking, Daniel, he's a good kid. He's a good kid, that Daniel. And, and Daniel, because of the work of God in his life, he's come into favor with the leaders in his life. Now, I want us to back up for a moment. If you're still with me, say amen. amen. We read a couple verses last week that I want us to go back to. 
And uh, so we're, we're learning now that, that there's a boss in Daniel's life who in a very short amount of time has already come to the place where he looks at Daniel and he's thinking, that's a good kid. He's got a good head on his shoulders. You know, Daniel, there's something special about Daniel. Now let's go back to Daniel chapter 1 and look in, in verse 3 and I'll read into verse 4. I want you to take note of something in this, in this passage. The Bible says it this way. And the king spake unto Ashpenaz, the master of his eunuchs, that he should bring certain of the children of Israel unto the king's seed and of the princes. And I'm going to read on. But this, if you'll recall, is after the besiegement of Jerusalem had taken place. Babylon now is taking these captives. And they said, listen, we want to get some certain young men of the king's seed or of the princes. Daniel probably was connected somehow to the king probably a relation, but listen to what it is that the world, if you would, what the world looks at when they're looking uh, to favor someone. Children in whom was no blemish, but well-favored and skillful in all wisdom and cunning and knowledge and understanding science and such as had ability in them to stand in the king's palace and whom they might teach the learning and the tongue of the Chaldeans. Now, if we analyze those verses, we would find that what Babylon was looking for in people is the same thing that we're looking for today. What Babylon was really going for when they examined those young people, they wanted people that, that excelled in appearance, and in athletics, and in academics. Uh, maybe we'd say it this way, in beauty, and brawn, and brains. They were looking at people from the outside with not a lot of respect for the inside. They, they were looking for people with sex appeal who, who liked sports and were involved in studies. It was all about the outside. And if you happen to be attractive today and smart today and active today, I would say good for you. That's wonderful. But listen, those things are empty if there's nothing going on on the inside to back it all up listen what daniel did to set him apart in the course of his life was this he had a good work ethic and a good attitude now some of you are saying pastor obviously you work at a church you have no idea what's happening in the world and really i think you're straining to make a point here that's not really there to be made and i would say no there's absolutely that point in the life of daniel if we were to read the entire book, and we won't do that right now, we would see that this is the case in his life. But let's let one passage help us to understand the value of all this. In Daniel chapter 6 and verse 3, the Bible says this, Then this Daniel was preferred above the presidents and princes. All right, he was preferred. Why? Because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king thought to set him over the whole realm. What, what was going on in Daniel's life? Uh, what, what was it this matter of beauty or brawn or brains no what what really set daniel apart in that moment he had a good attitude there was something on the inside going on now and, and the whole world was dialed in on the outside and there's, there's nothing wrong with the outside but what made daniel different is there was a little bit more substance to the style he he had something going on on the inside of his life there's a great lesson in Proverbs along these same lines. In Proverbs 22, the Bible says this, Seest thou a man diligent in his business? He shall stand before kings. He shall not stand before mean men. Now, now, this literally means, friends, if you're a good worker, you're more likely to get promoted. And that, that happens over and over and over in Daniel's life. He works hard. He has a good attitude. He gets noticed and promoted. He works hard. He has a good attitude. He gets noticed. He gets promoted. God had a way of putting Daniel in the right spot. So then what was, uh, what was on the inside as it came to the outside, it was exposed. And, and people saw him in a favorable way. Let, let me share this 
with you. People who have an enormous amount of responsibility in their lives are always looking for other people who have the capacity to be responsible as well. And if you are a responsible person, you will find that if there's a conflict at work, you will more likely be given an audience with someone who can make a difference about the issue in your life. Say, man, how did Daniel get through this? Well, it started with just working hard and having a really good attitude. And that leads us to the second point, which won't impress you either. But again, I think as we go through this, you're going to be like, you know what? Those truths are absolutely applicable to us. Here's the second thought. Be respectful and polite. Be respectful and polite. Now, I know this seems so basic, but it is foundational really for success on the job and relationships anywhere that we have in our lives. I love the way in verse 8, the Bible just said, therefore he requested uh, of the prince. And and really, there is a sense of propriety, of of politeness there. There's this idea that that Daniel went about his business uh, in in a respectful way and in in a polite way. I I had a friend come to me years ago and... and, uh, he said, man, Steve, will you pray for me? I'm having a hard time at work. And I said, yeah, I'll, I'll pray for you. And he said, I'll tell you what it's all about. He said, on Friday at, at my work, he said, our company, man, has just been growing and doing great. And, and, and to, to kind of make more of a team environment, the management team on Friday, we go out to lunch together and, and everyone sits around. And, and he said, the, the first couple of weeks, I thought this is probably a pretty good idea. But he said, Steve, I've got to tell you, it's a total waste of time. Everybody sits around, and, and he said, the conversation's never what it should be. I've already seen some, some inappropriate relationships come out of that. Everybody gossips about everybody else. And he said, on top of that, they all sit there, and they'll throw back a couple drinks before they go back for the afternoon. It blows the rest of Friday. Everyone that we leave behind uh, at, at the shop, uh, they all think it's a joke. They're losing respect for us. And, and he said, as a Christian, I just don't think I should be a part of that. I said, well, man, I'll pray for you. That, that sounds tough. And uh, it was like one week later. Uh, he said, Steve, hey, would you pray for me? Uh, I'm looking for a new job. I got fired on my job. I said, you got fired? Oh, man, I was praying things would go better. And, and he said, yeah, I got fired. He said, they're persecuting me for being a Christian. And uh, I listened to that. And, and I know people get persecuted all the time for being a Christian. If you weren't here for week one of this study, go back there. And we really took the time to consider uh, by many uh, great sources that the most dangerous thing you could be on planet Earth right now is a Christian. The single most persecuted group in all of the world right now is Christians. Franklin Graham had a great article in the USA Today uh, this morning. If you want to Google it and read it, we know that people are persecuted for their faith. But as he began to share his great persecution story, uh, he, he told me that how it all unfolded was he was at lunch on a Friday and he just had a belly full of it all and he couldn't take it anymore. And, and the owner of the company's there, the whole management team, and he said he felt led of the Lord to just stand up and let everybody know that they were all wrong and, and uh, they were wasting their time and they were blowing the rest of their Friday and everyone at work thought that they were all a bunch of losers for, for all this. And, 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 and the more he talked, the more I realized, no, 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 you're not being persecuted for being a Christian. You just received what you deserved because you handled it all wrong. If he had an issue like that, there was someone sitting at the table that he could have spoken with in a private way, in a discreet way, in a respectful way. I'm not suggesting that prejudice against Christians doesn't exist in the workplace. Of course they do. But if we handle them as Daniel did, we might be shocked at how God can use us 
as salt and light in a workplace. It never is going to work good for you if you want to challenge your boss in a public setting. If I was that guy's boss, I'd have fired him as well. well. It wouldn't even have mattered at that point what was right or wrong. It's, dude, you just showed me up in front of the entire management team. You've got to go, all right? And uh, that's what happened. So- Solomon taught us this in Proverbs 15.1. A soft answer turneth away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. There's an author whom I enjoy reading, J. Vernon McGee, and he said it once this way, debate it and they will hate it. And if people feel that what you're offering them is an argument, they will respond in like. They will seek to put you in your place because they want to win just like you do. If we are respectful and polite, you'll be shocked at how much further we can go in terms of being heard. I've, I've told my daughters a lot. I, I've told them, I've said, girls, listen, the bar's been set so low. Do you realize to excel in, in, in life today? Just show up to work on time, sober, with a good attitude, work hard, be kind to people, be polite, be respectful. I, I, I've told them, listen, you can soar above the vast majority of people on planet Earth today if you just do those very simple things. And those are things that Daniel did. And that leads us to this third thought. How did Daniel get out of this tricky situation? I want us to see, thirdly, he had to find common ground. He had to find common ground. Now, it's interesting when you read this passage to see all that Daniel had a problem with. It came down to just one issue, really. Again, we talked about this. He didn't seem to protest the name change. He didn't seem to protest his new uh, home or school. Uh, He had a measure of understanding about all that. It kind of sunk in, all right, this is how life is for me. In fact, Daniel wasn't even against the health that the Babylonians wanted him to have. See, the Babylonians said, Daniel, we want you to eat this diet because this diet will make you healthy. And Daniel was thinking about that, and he's like, well, their end goal is my health. And Daniel had an interest in, in being healthy, as well. I don't want you to miss this part. Daniel shared the same goal as the superior in his life, as the leader in his life. They just had a different means to get to the destination. So Daniel had to basically say this, sir, we both agree that my health is important. You want me to be healthy. You're going to be evaluated on my performance. I want my health to be uh, uh, good because uh, I, I think that's very important for me. We agree, we agree on that. And sir, would you be willing to give me a 10-day trial period to get to that goal on, on my own plan? I think I can do that. Daniel said that because he was confident God would bless his life and, and God would honor him. And 10 days later, we know that Daniel was vindicated. In verses 15 and 16 in our text, we read it this way. And at the end of 10 days, their countenance appeared fair and fatter in flesh than all the children which did eat of the portion of the king's meat. This Melzar took away the portion of their meat and the wine that they should drink and gave them pulse. That boss was reasonable. Daniel just approached it with respect, a good attitude. He'd already established he was a good worker. He wasn't crabby. He wasn't cranky. Uh, He found common ground, and they found a solution. And he had a reasonable boss, and he rose above that situation. Now, I'd love to stand here today and say that every boss is reasonable. I believe the vast majority are. But Paul did write this in 2 Thessalonians 3. He said, and that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men. 
The fact is, there are unreasonable people in this world. There are wicked people in this world. There are people, as Paul went on to say, that, that don't have faith. But many of those who provide leadership will be willing to work with people who work hard and have a good attitude, who behave in a respectful and polite way, and who seek to find common ground. Now, I think the final question we've got at least deal with briefly before we finish up today is the question that would be worded something like this. Yeah, pastor, I've tried those things. Did it work for me? And, and to that, I would say, don't violate your conscience. If we go back and understood what set Daniel apart, it's because of his identity. He knew who he was, his individuality. He was willing to stand alone if needs be, but his integrity. And I want you to know that just like you can trust God for your eternal life, you can trust God with your work life. And if you feel that someone is imposing upon you a, 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 some type of requirement that's going to make you violate your conscience, go against a very clear uh, word of God. I mean, after you've gone through this same process that, that Daniel went through, if you feel like someone's putting you in a position where you have to go against the word of God, it, it might be better to tender a resignation than to tender your faithfulness to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You can trust God with your work life. You can trust God to meet those needs. A well-known Bible teacher an author told a story that this author's been in heaven for many years ago, and the story came from when he was a young man. But he got a job in a bank when he was just starting his seminary training. And uh, a after he got settled in, the, the boss in that bank came to him, and he said, if so-and-so calls, tell him I'm not in. And that young man said, uh, sir, are you, are you heading out? He said, no, I just don't want to talk to that person. And that young man said, Sir, I'm so sorry. I can't, I can't tell him you're not here if you're here. That boss kind of looked at him like, oh my goodness, I hired a Boy Scout, you know. This guy, he just clearly doesn't know how things work. But that kid was just naive enough to think, that would be a lie. I'm not supposed to tell lies. And as the boss was looking, trying to come up with something creative to say, that young man who went on to become a great preacher and a man that helped many, many Christians, he said this to his boss. He said, but sir... You can be assured that if I won't lie for you, I would never lie to you. And he said that statement put a smile on his boss's face, and that was the end of the issue. You know, it's hard at times to rise above on the job. But I really believe if we live for God, we will see that God can allow all these things to work together for our good, for his glory. You see, if you are a Christian, you understand that we're to respect authority. But we also understand there's no higher authority than our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And when we keep in mind that we have a master, so to speak, on our jobs, and ultimately it's God, and we work with Him in mind, we get there on time for His glory. We're diligent in our work for His glory. We treat people kind because it's the Lord that told us to do that. I have found that when I make that ultimate boss, if you would, that ultimate authority in my life, if I make God pleased through my behavior, I found it has a way of pleasing the other people in my life that really matter. You'll be shocked how God can use you. Our study began by saying that Daniel came into favor. Friends, there's no better favor to be received than favor from God because we've made a decision in our life to do the right thing in every situation. Our Father, we thank you today for the opportunity just to open your word. And Lord, read what we would call a Bible story. Maybe we would call it an historical accounting. But God, I really believe it's an applicable, relevant situation of a guy on the job 
who was being pushed in a place she couldn't go and handled it with great wisdom. God, I pray for the people at Coastline that would call you Lord and Savior. God, that you would help us on the job to live for you. Lord, I know there are right ways to do that, and, and there's probably ways that could be counterproductive, but I pray that you'd help us to be just kind, honest, trustworthy, prompt people. Lord, I pray that we'd have a heart for those around us, that we'd have an understanding of the need for the companies that we work for to do well. God, I just pray that you'd open our hearts and help us to realize that there is an authority that leads us to do what we do. God, ultimately, that's you. So God, I pray that we'd please you. May we commit to never do what you say is wrong. And beyond that, God, may we do everything we can to be successful and productive when we're on the job. We ask this prayer in Jesus' name. Our heads are bowed this morning and our eyes are closed and we're really just thinking about what we've heard. And listen, maybe you're here this morning and, and you'd say, Pastor, you don't, you don't need to convince me that there are unreasonable bosses in the world or conundrums or dilemmas at work. Maybe you're here today and you'd say, I know all about that. I, I know all about those issues. But maybe you are here today and you'd say, you know, Pastor, I realize that it's, it's actually pretty simple biblical principles that can help me do well on the job. I wonder, are there those this morning who say, Pastor, there was something in that study today, a reminder for me that I think can help me to be the bright light for Jesus that I need to be on my job. Are there those this morning, just by the testimony of a quickly raised hand, Pastor, there was something I think that could help me in there. That's wonderful. You can put your hands down. It's imperative that we live for Jesus everywhere we go. An application can be made from what we've talked about today when it comes to church life, when it comes to family life. But, but all of it goes back to an understanding that we have a relationship with Jesus Christ, a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And, and I want to ask today, I wonder, are there some here this morning who'd say, you know, Pastor, I'm just not sure that if I were to die today that I'd spend forever in heaven with God. I'm just not sure I have that relationship with Him. I, I wonder, are there those this morning who'd say, Pastor, as you think of people in prayer, would you pray for me? I'm, I'm just not sure I have that relationship with God. And if I could know that, I'd like to. Are there those like that by the testimony? Just a quickly raised hand. Pastor, you could pray for me. 